1: Welcome to the Help Desk for Monday the 29th of March. My name's Tess Bennett.
0: And I'm Peter Wells.
1: And Peter, we've got lots of Slack news to kick off with this morning.
0: Yeah, Slack had a bit of a a busy week last week. So Slack uh, rolled out a new feature that allowed anyone to DM anyone from any other Slack. Uh, It was a feature that they announced back in October at Slack Connect. The new DM feature was built on Slack's work with Connect, uh, which started appearing last year. Well, it took a day, and then Slack quickly removed the messages uh, and the feature completely because the company was uh, responding to concerns the feature could be used to send abusive messages and harassment with relative ease. So, yeah, no more... DMing anyone uh, with a Slack account. Uh, that was that was one of the sh- shortest turnarounds I've ever seen. Sticking with Slack, though, and CEO Stuart Butterfield has mentioned some of the new audio features that will be coming to the platform. Uh, it's a mix of basically audio features taken from Telegram on one end and Clubhouse on the other. So you'll be able to send uh, voice messages in channels, things like that, and also kick off a Clubhouse-style get together in your Slacks and of course, because Slack has to do it because everyone else has done it, you're going to have stories in Slack as well. I don't know if I really want to get to work and see a bunch of stories at the top of my Slack interface, but I guess I don't have any say in it.
1: Yeah. Stories doesn't seem like a great way to increase productivity, In your Slack channel, I, I, am split on the idea of the direct DMs, uh, between different organizations, because Mm. as, as someone who for work deals with email, text, Slack, Twitter, DMs, LinkedIn, WhatsApp, uh, having another channel sounds annoying, Mm. but I, Mm -hmm. I really like Slack. So if I could move everyone that I have to deal with into Slack... That would be a win for me. The downside would be that a lot of people could just get spammed with um, sales and pitches, which is you know a big complaint on LinkedIn. But I, and I guess the controversy here as well was around the the email invites that came with requesting that you could DM someone um, over Slack. So that that was where people were worried that p- people could include harassment or awful things in those emails that people just uh there was no way to actually block or disable those
0: yeah right um and that that has been uh a case for a lot of different technology over the years that say banks have uh, had to think about what they can allow people to send in their messages when they send people money because people are using that to harass. So, you know, when, when there's any way of harassing someone, men will find a way, unfortunately. So uh, this seems to be one of those things that uh, every tech company has to take in mind.
1: And moving on, uh, Amazon has a poop problem. The pandemic-induced boom in online shopping has come with an unhygienic side effect. The Intercept reports that Amazon's delivery drivers in the US often don't have anywhere to go the bathroom during their shifts, uh, leaving them to pee in bottles or defecate in bags. Amazon, uh, in sort of a fight with Bernie Sanders on Twitter, basically said this is an urban legend, but documents that The Intercept got their hands on show that management is pretty aware of the problem and it has gotten worse during the pandemic. This story also includes some great passive aggressive emails uh, from management <laughs> to the people responsible for looking after drivers as well.
0: Yeah, right. Um, yeah, I've, I've seen Amazon uh, fighting with both Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren on Twitter, so Uh, it's a, it's a fascinating new PR strategy. Let's see how it plays out for them. I mean, if you're, if you're defecating in a bag, something tells me you don't get enough breaks throughout the day.
1: Yeah. That's the idea that the, you just won't, if you take a break, you just won't get through the number of deliveries. Almost like whoever came up with the model uh, that calculates how many deliveries you should be doing, uh, forgot one variable, which is that humans who are driving the vans do actually need to go to the bathroom.
0: And moving on, Intel is spending $20 billion on two new chip factories in Arizona. Intel announced the massive changes in its Intel Unleashed Engineering The Future webcast last week. And it was all from Intel CEO Pat Glesinger, or Gelsinger, I should say, who announced uh, quite a different roadmap for Intel. So they're going to continue to manufacture chips as they have done for the last couple of decades. But they are now also branching out into uh, Fabless models and designing chips without actually manufacturing them for other people. And that, that is huge for Intel to to actually... Basically, they're, they're coming after TMC uh, who, who make the ARM chips for Apple and things like that and for most mobile phones. Intel has been locked out of that mobile phone revolution since day one, really. And so I think this is one of their ways of trying to get back into it. And they're also saying that they just need to have local manufacturing uh, in case there is a need to shut down a Chinese fac- a factory uh, for one reason or another, so yeah, they're, they're really looking to the, to diversify their their uh, manufacturing across uh, a couple of different countries rather than just having it all con- concentrated in China.
1: Yeah, um, I think, or the New York Times' take on it was that, you know, it might please government officials elsewhere around the world to be having chips manufactured in different places and, you know, reduce that, the risk of shortages and mm-hmm. also the dependence on factories based in Asia.
0: Mm, totally. I keep saying totally.
1: And uh, to wrap up the show today, the very first Women in AI awards were held in Sydney on Friday night. Uh, I went along, so my weekend basically started in a room full of people uh, who are smarter than me and have cooler job titles. Uh, but the the gist of Women in AI is to recognise the women kicking goals in AI and do some work around closing the gender gap in AI and. The, the same gap that basically exists in, in, in a lot of parts of tech. According to a 2018 study from Wired and Element AI, just 12% of AI researchers globally are female. And on the night, actually, uh, Australia's chief scientist, Kathy Foley, put it really well. She said, we're limiting what we can achieve because we are limiting who is in the room working on the solutions. And I guess the news from the night, the overall winner was uh, Jamila Gordon. She's the CEO and founder of LumaChain, which uses AI to reduce waste across the global food supply chain. The platform tracks and traces the origin, location and condition of individual items in the supply chain in real time. From farm to fork, uh, but there was basically just a ton of very impressive and smart women uh, working on all kinds of kinds of things that were recognised uh, on Friday. Fantastic!
0: Yeah, yeah, it really is important to make sure that uh, people designing the AI of the future aren't bringing any of their biases into the the production. So yeah, this is really important.
1: That was uh, a a reoccurring theme of the speeches of the night, was a lot around risk of reducing bias and increasing fairness and transparency. Uh, They were pretty front and centre in a a room full of uh, women working in AI at least.
0: I can imagine. Uh, But my uh, exciting thing that happened to me on the weekend was yesterday I woke up and I was so tired. Um, I looked at my phone before I made a coffee, which is always a terrible thing to do, and I accidentally fell for a phishing attempt. No! just pick Yeah, I know. And it's just like like I'd literally just written a guide to spotting fishing attempts um for a day job like the day before. And uh, yeah, it was just exactly like they they did all of the tricks that I know of like saying that it was a parcel waiting for me to pick up and anyway, I had to cancel my credit card. Like uh, thankfully as soon as I had my coffee, I went, Hang on a second and mm-hmm. I looked at the I looked at the message and realized that I had been fished and Yeah, so what so is- Mike.
1: What is the disaster response for? I think I've just been fished.
0: Um, immediately, I just c- called my credit card and, and cancelled the card. Thankfully, there's a kind of an air gap between that credit card and my main bank account, so there's not really much you can do once I once I cancel the credit card. But yeah, I moved pretty quickly once once I realised how silly mm. I'd been. Anyway, um, so that's uh, maybe we'll do as a what the fuck one day like the the most common phishing attempts and and how to spot them.
1: Yeah, well, uh, it's good. You, I'm sure people feel better now that uh, the guy with the technology <laughs> podcast. It happens I took to one everyone. For the team. Yeah, yeah, mm,
0: yeah, yeah. It can happen so quickly. Anyway, that's what we have time for today. We'll speak to you tomorrow. Thank you, Tess. Thanks, Peter.